0: That's how it starts, the fever,
1: the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns, good men, cruel. Welcome, I am Stephen Colbert. And I'm Andrew Dice. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute. A rewatch podcast by... The minute.
0: The minute. Yeah. Yeah, we're watching Zack Snyder's ultimate cut of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and having intensely in-depth and really enjoyable, for us at
1: least, conversations about all of them. Yeah, I'm really happy that we just, um, in the last minute, we got to just obsess over uh, the newsroom and Perry White and Lawrence Fishburne's performance and now we get to do it all over again. Yeah. If
0: it, it's already an injustice that Lawrence Fishburne wasn't nominated for like some kind of MTV movie award. Yeah. Like, let's be clear, not an Oscar. He doesn't need one. Yeah. <laughs> but an MTV movie award for like best hot diss and yeah. the entire category would just be his. I feel like this minute is what wins it for me.
1: Yeah. Well, it's crazy because he's already had a few also. And so this is just kind of the cherry on top of his. Yeah. Just constantly ragging on. Uh, this is his victory lap. Yeah. <laughs> Benefit for the library of Metropolis.
0: Someone on the committee requested that Clark can't cover it. Probably some old charity crone who's got a thing for nerds. This does technically begin in the same scene.
1: Yeah, because literally, so she, this ended with her trying to get the, um, get permission to go check out the bullet. And this is where he says, okay, cool. He says, coach, no extra leg room. Yeah. And then she leaves <laughs> and then turns around to come back and tries to negotiate economy plus Yeah, <laughs> coach and coach. Uh, right after that, we cut out and, and we get Clark worried about Lois digging into this. And Literally, you're digging and, up yeah, snakes. Yeah. He says, low. You're, you're digging up snakes low and which I just love that as an expression. I don't know if I've yeah. that ever struck me before as um just kind of what a a good visual metaphor that is yeah and it's also just funny because like that's yes that's what she does clark (laughs) like that's that's her job (laughs) and she's good at it yeah but i think that he knows that something is up i think that he's he's i think that maybe katrina i i I say every time that i'm never gonna remember i'm not kahina Kahina Ziri? ziri I do think that he's convicted by her, but I'm curious if, you know, he just went to check her out and there was, she wasn't at the apartment. I think he knows that there's some conspiracy of some kind going on. Hmm. Maybe he thinks it involves the Batman. I have no idea what, what exactly he thinks, but I think that he, I think that he suspects something is more than it appears. And so by her kind of planting herself squarely in the middle of it, uh, you know, it started with a warlord pointing a gun at her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, it's only going to get worse from there. He assumes. Well, and I guess he is generally unaware of what's transpired there. Like that, that is clearly her story. So. Yeah. Well, because the, um, yeah. Cause I don't think he knew. Well, it's cause she hid the bullet from him. Right. We talked so, about that yeah. in that minute about how. Did he know that she had it with his X-ray vision? Has he been kind of silently saying nothing, and now he knows what's up with that, or is he just blindsided by this because he wasn't looking? This the reading of this
0: scene has completely changed for me because I'm having more and more flashes of their interactions in
1: Man of Steel, which were Mm -hmm. much sweeter, I guess. But yeah, I think that they've made the transition from kind of flirtatious, yeah, interested in each other to they very much play a couple. Yeah, in this, the, and and they th- yeah they have an, like a like a shorthand unspoken.
0: But the thing that has completely changed for me is we were talking about Clark's expressions and his like looks on his face. This is the first time I've noticed that when when she says that's why I didn't tell you, and Perry comes up before Perry comes up, Clark is smiling at her, and yeah, th- that moment I never caught before because that does seem like he's kind of oh why are you doing this you know. But then it was it was so nice for me to notice oh no that totally is with him doing that, communicated as... It's kind of their banter. Exactly. It's who she is and mm-hmm. he totally knows it and he is like... That's what he loves her for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then Perry comes in and stomps all over.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're having this sweet little moment and then we get... Uh... Perry walks up and then I love the way he's not even looking at Clark. and He's nope. talking to Lois and then just kind of backhand flips this paper over <laughs> over to him.
0: Every single part of this, someone requested Clark Kent, probably some old charity crone has got a thing for nerds. The way he says it is so dismissive. I, 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 At some point we just need to be like, yeah, yeah, we love Perry. Perry's great. But yeah. The, the way that Clark takes that is just the quintessential, like, he, he like, barely even hears. <laughs> he's just, like, completely turned a deaf
1: ear to this now. Well, it's like he's catching up on the fact that, like, he didn't even get to say goodbye to Lois because yep. Perry, like, that's that being told that um, some someone Charity crown has got a thing for nerds is what happened instead of him saying goodbye to lois like she's just and (laughs) and now she's gone and and if you look he's looking back over his shoulder at perry as perry walks away because so he doesn't have he can't say goodbye to lois and then he doesn't even have a retort (laughs) for perry because perry's just gone and he's left standing there and his mouth if you look at this shot if you freeze frame and his mouth is literally slightly open (laughs) he's just dumbfounded at like what a what just happened b am i supposed to have a response to that
0: i think the difference for me is that and it's it's Probably mostly Perry, but it is probably more than I recognize what Cavill and Snyder have done with this Clark is like Christopher Reeve and Brandon Routh both invited, not ridicule, but if they said, oh, Clark, it's because he wants them to. Mm-hmm. So I like the the extra wrinkle with this where he doesn't know even what to do. He's beyond his depths as a reporter based on yeah. purely – um Social cues, which I feel like if, if because I think someone suggested on Twitter, one of our listeners, that Perry might know that this is Superman. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in this version of the story with what we've seen of, you know, Pete and, and other people, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for for Perry to know that, that Clark is Superman, but it almost feels like if he was, like Perry wouldn't care. Like he yeah. would still be—he's still judging Clark on the fact that he's quiet and came th- from Kansas, which he absolutely did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like th- like this line here. I feel like Perry could know he's Superman and still say this. Absolutely. Um. In in a way, it almost it reminds me very much of of like Lex Lex Luthor's. You know, you do not pick a fight with this man. Yeah. Yeah. Where, which is what's—it's so funny because like that's the different. Like they're both—they both know. I mean, assuming assuming Perry knows—that's them both knowing and both being kind of flippant and sort of scheming about it. But Perry just doesn't care. He's so—he's like, like Lex is like completely absorbed in this yeah. fact. Where if Perry knows, he's like, ah, eh, whatever. I need him to cover this event anyway. I need him to cover football. Yeah, and um. And the, and the way, like that just adds so much to Perry's character to think that he knows and then, and then isn't trying to like get something out of it. Like he would say, I'm not personally invested in what, what
0: he is. It it would be the same thing as finding out that one of my reporters is, I don't know, having an affair. You know what? Yeah. That's not my business. I'm not personally invested when it's love affair with man in the sky, uh, you know, over a question mark. It's, that's what the story is. That's yeah. not he doesn't care he he never comes across as having an opinion on Superman.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and if if um yeah, and if he knew his his reaction would be like he'd find out he'd say, "Okay, cool, that's great. So you're going to hit that deadline?"
0: Yeah, you got that football story yet, Superman? <laughs>
1: yeah. And then I tease this at the um in the last minute, but this after Perry walks away, I think that's when it is. Uh, Clark he, he's looking over at Perry and then he looks sort of back past the camera. And, and there was a moment in there where it, it looks it like maybe just, you change the hair a little bit and it's, it's Christopher Reeve, like just screaming. Like it almost, it almost looks like a, like a deep fake or something in the way that he kind (laughs) of captures that, um, that kind of look. Then we end the scene by switching to the beginning of an incredible scene. Yeah. What great. I mean, to go from Perry to Lex Luthor, (laughs) it's just it's nonstop, and this while this next scene is phenomenal i think one of my favorite lines in it um or the most fun lines comes at the end here though finch walks in and lex says uh, senator would you like a little bourbon before lunch and she declines because her driver's outside and he goes no bourbon <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's this like "Please." Yeah, yeah. He's
1: like, would you, would you like, would you like some bourbon before lunch? No, no, thank you. My driver's outside. No bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like a, like a, No um, bourbon. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, uh, like a character, like a, like a secondary character from a, uh, like a 40s Bugs Bunny, like a blue ribbon special sort of. No bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> like he's outraged and it's, you know, what, like 11 a.m.? <laughs>
0: Even the way he, the the note he hits when he sees when he says senator, mm-hmm. I thought I was listening. I I had to stop and be like, oh come on, that can't actually. It's like senator.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no bourbon. No bourbon. And actually, I I know I was just comparing it to other stuff, but it that kind of intonation. Um. Oh geez, I'm doing that name thing again. Who played uh, Who played Lex in the in the in the Donner movies? Gene Hackman. Hackman. Yeah, there we go. No, Hackman. But yeah, it's, it, it's almost like a Hackman. Deli- I don't know. He did that kind of weird, fl- uh, what, uh, or no, what's the, uh, what's the kryptonite? Is that, is that, um, that was Kevin Spacey. It's Kevin Spacey said kryptonite, uh, kryptonite. kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have no idea how, like, when Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg talked about this role, he said, um, he never really read the comics. Uh, he was aware of them, but he never read them, and he didn't really watch the other movies to compare. Like he's one of those guys who's like, "Oh no, I didn't read the source material. I didn't study for the role. I don't really care about Lex Luthor. I don't even watch my own movies, so I haven't ever seen this movie. I just went off off of what's in the script." And I know that's that's like heresy for geeks because they need like whoever's playing the character to be like, they need him to be like the biggest Lex Luthor fan in the world with a, a room devoted to Lex Luthor action figures. And he needs to know all the obscure comic information. And sure I can get that kind of the appeal of that in like a sort of a commercialized franchise. But the fact that he's just so purely off the script, but I think still captures, because I think Lex in the, in the script is very purely sort of what a modern Lex would be. And I think they, they nailed that. And so I think that he, yeah. He really captures that also, but the, the flourish that he gives to his, um, his intonation on, on all of these lines is just, I guess it's what makes him polarizing that I've seen a number of, of people, especially recently. I don't know what brought it back up, but, uh, lots of claims that he's like the most miscast character in comic book history. That's just not only like hyperbolic, but I think, I think it's one of the best cast roles in this movie. You know, it's right up there with Ben Affleck, probably.
0: Yeah. That's one that ventures into like the, you're being a little, uh what one of my university professors called intellectually dishonest. Yeah. Because I can point to Superman birthright and I can show those scenes and it's, this should be a role played by someone like you. Like this is, um the flashbacks to them as teens, you know, Clark and, and Lex in that story is, yeah. it basically is him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And to and me anyway. I can, I can get, there's a thing with roles like this where the character has such a long history where- where people will say it's miscast or it's not true to the character because they want it to depict a very specific version of the character. Yeah. Or it will choose one of the more obscure incarnations or something like that. And so I can kind of understand that and how, and how people would be like, Oh, well, this doesn't remind me of the animated version or this doesn't remind me of Hackman or this doesn't remind me of Spacey or this isn't, this or man is whatever. a physical threat to Superman. Yeah. Um, but in, but the, his motivations and his, His, um, his methods and his, like everything about his, his characterization and his characterization and even the, even the personality. Well, he's maybe a little bit more zany. I think, I think nails the, like the ethos of, of the character really well. And this is kind of one of those minutes where he's, I don't think that this is naturally the way that he is. I think he's trying to put out, like, this is the way that a sort of flamboyant billionaire would act to him and he's just being that
0: yeah i, th- I think it it also is a case of casting uh, writing and casting a lex for the superman you know that, that yes. you are portraying like there is a version of lex Luthor that you can portray where he is outwardly aggressive and strong but he is inwardly a very weak man that might not be everybody's lex you know that that it's not always even that way in the comics but that's a version of him. His anger comes not from, um, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't Lex Luthor's own standalone series, you know, where he was secretly a crusader for mankind. That's just not this Lex. This is the Lex who is fueled by his insecurities and his own weakness. And I do think, cause I think Gene Hackman is a very good foil to Christopher Reeve in those Superman movies. And I, Christopher Reeve exhibits, a very, um, old Hollywood type of, uh, man. And Gene Hackman was like the quintessential seventies, not that guy. Yeah. So if, if you update that for today, I think that Henry Cavill, people make jokes, but, but even very honestly about it, he projects masculinity in a way that Christopher Reeve didn't. Yeah. That's not to say that, you know, Christopher Reeve isn't a, wasn't a big strapping, good looking, handsome guy. It's just. When when men and women saw him, Henry Cavill come out of the water with his body full of hair, um, mm-hmm. you know,
1: rippling. Yeah, ninety percent pecs. Like how? Um, oh shoot! What's his face that draws the uh, the Captain America with the? Oh, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> looks like a he looks like a look like a Rob like a Liefeld yeah um, Captain America. <laughs> yeah, and and he he has a beard. You know, like it's yeah. just a very
0: modern idea of, of masculine energy. And Henry Cavill has that, you know, there's a reason why there are, you know, swoon gifts of him cracking that little grin looking at Lois. And yeah. it's just, it's a very different take on the, on what it means to be this kind of man that few men get to be. Yeah. And, and then
1: you have Lex and he, he's, he's the opposite. At of that. least appears to be unsure of himself. He's got yep. long hair. Um, I think it's, he, it's, perfect. his voice cracks. He, um, he he speaks in like – if he fluctuates his tone and speaks in higher tones. And you have to imagine Zack Snyder was sitting there and when when Jesse Eisenberg says, no Bergman, he's like, <laughs> oh,
0: just tinting his fingers like this is so yes.
1: This is yeah. everything
0: Henry Cavill isn't.
1: Yeah. Oh, my favorite story about uh, – I read an interview with him where he was talking about – he used to walk down the street and there was this little kid. I can't remember. The kid's name was like Raymond or something that would be at the end of his street in brooklyn or wherever he lived and he said he would walk down the street and the kid would yell at him and call him napoleon dynamite and and he said um he said and he would call me napoleon dynamite and i would say to him raymond i am not that man (laughs) 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 it's like so whatever i think of jesse iceberg like that's that's what i hear like i I was like not not the actor raymond i am not that man um (laughs) I know that um we talked a lot about about Jesse and and Lex and we're going to in the next minute as well. But since this minute is at the end of, of the um the newsroom couple minutes there, thematically speaking, I think it's kind of fascinating that we go from the newsroom where we've got Clark chasing down the Batman, and we've got yeah. Lois chasing down the bullet, and then we go in out into the uh from that meeting we got into the newsroom where Lois runs off to chase the bullet. Clark is trying to chase the Batman, but instead is given an invitation from, quote-unquote, some old charity crone that has a thing for nerds. Wow. Um, and then we go to Lex. Oh, man, and we're also
0: coming off of Bruce with the phone, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so this is the, the what, the spider at the center of the spider web or yeah, the, yeah. the puppet master or whatever. Wow. And so structurally speaking, you know, flowing right into this minute, is just beautiful how- Everything is kind of, it'll be interesting to kind of see how these next minutes play out. And I'm going to make a prediction here that we'll see uh, as we go minute by minute. But those first minutes were one minute at a time, sort of alternating characters setting up all the backstories. And now I feel like this next segment from like minute 20 up to, you know, minute maybe 60 or whatever is almost like a spiral of kind of circling plots that that are kind of circling around Lex. Because we're sort of doing that same thing. And I guess that's, that's what movies do, right? They switch between characters and tell a story. <laughs> but I feel like structurally speaking, we are sort of spiraling into this, um, into through into the center of this web and, and sort of we get to that point now with, uh, with Lex and sort of, I think, get the first hint of his really kind of sadistic side, um, which we'll talk more about in the next minute. And um I don't know, do you want to talk about the the horse and the stuff on the mantle and all that oh, stuff? Can in the I next give minute? can I give a tease to end yeah. our episode? Yeah.
0: I, I will say that it's only the beginning of the of the scene that we get between Lex and Senator Finch, but I will encourage viewers to uh to go back and watch those seconds very closely, closer than I did on the first few viewings I had, because um I saw some pretty shocking stuff. Even in addition to what I knew was there, which means that our next minute, which we go into, which I think will be minute 42, we're going to talk a whole lot about horses. I <laughs>
1: guess we will. Send it. A little bourbon before lunch? My driver's outside, I can't stay. No bourbon.